Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. What if investing in each other could change the world? I'm Joel Skeen with bizradio.us, and this is the Mindful Marketplace. And we got a good one today. I am excited for our conversation today with Julie Weirich. Um, she is a sustainable investment counselor. You know, we talk a lot about different types of investing here on the Mindful Marketplace. And I want to thank you, the listener, for being a part of this conversation, being a part of this discussion, and being a part of the community. Um, I did want to give you guys a couple quick announcements uh, and updates before we get into our conversation here. The first is that we now have an ongoing monthly Mindful Marketplace meetup that is happening every Tuesday, ever the second Tuesday of every month. So by the time this airs, we will have had two of these events so far. We're calling it the Community Financial Education Course. Um, there's just a lot of things that we should have been taught in school about finances, about budgeting, taxes, investing, entrepreneurship that we don't ever really come across unless you kind of go out of your way for it. And it um, it struck me that there was a need in our community for more education around some of the topics we talk about here on the show, like community investing, sustainable investing, but also just more basic topics about you know how to manage debt how to um, you know, budget for your future, how to start a business if you want to start a business. What does it mean to own a home if you are making that transition? And so we are having monthly event where we have different speakers of different experts of you know, different areas coming in and doing both a Q&A panel and some lessons on how you can um, you know, really increase your financial wellness for yourself, for your family, for your business. So please go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on the events tab to get registered for the next one. Um, We've had some awesome guests in the first two um, speakers and you won't want to miss this. So go ahead and get registered on mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. I also want to point you to the new um, Slack channel that we are, are um, going to have up and running by the time this airs, that is a place for us as mindful market placers, <laughs> which is a uh, which is a term I guess I'm coining right now, mindful market placers, where we can interact with guests that come on the show, speakers who come speak at our events, and gives you the opportunity to really plug into the community and be a part of what we're doing here. So. Um, that is also going to be posted on our website at mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. So please check out the upcoming events we have and go ahead and join our Slack channel. There's going to be some nice um, benefits for you for doing that as well. Um, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about investing in the future. Um, you know, you've, if you've listened before, you've heard me talk about how I believe that your dollar really is your vote. Sometimes when you go and pull a ballot box, uh, is there a, a lever? Is that what we do now? I don't think you punch a hole, you touch a screen, uh, you go behind the curtain one way or the other. Um, sometimes it's difficult to feel like you're really making a large impact. Um, but what I do believe does make a large impact is the decisions that each individual makes on how they're going to spend their money and how they're going to invest their money. 
And your dollar really ends up being more of your vote, I think, than your actual vote. And so we've talked about that in a bunch of different ways. You know, we've talked about how um, folks and business owners are investing back into their community to create a better future. Like when we had an awesome discussion with Bruce Waller of Black Wall Street Asheville um, about how different organizations are investing into the local communities, like Venture Asheville, when we had our conversation with Jeff Kaplan and with NC Idea, who we got to have on recently to talk about the investments that they're making into the community and into marginalized communities throughout the state of North Carolina. We've had on Angela Barbash, who talked about how she is helping her clients not only invest their money in traditional ways, but invest their money both sustainably, but also in their local communities in what's called impact investing or community investing. And we also had on Peter Kroll to talk about um, specifically the sustainable investing options that are out there for people. And that's where this conversation is going to kind of start from is Julie Weirich also is a sustainable um, investment counselor, and she's really going to shed some light here on us uh, for us on the topics of sustainable investing and help us learn a lot about it. So, Julie, thanks so much for joining um, me, us on the show here. I, am I saying your, your last name right first? If I'm not, please correct me. <laughs> yep. No, that's perfect. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So, Julie, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you're you're not actually here located in Western North Carolina, where a lot of our guests are. Um, you're out in Colorado. Um, but I would like to hear a little bit, you know, just tell us about um, kind of where you come from and what it was that you saw that really pushed you towards pursuing a life's work in sustainable investing. Well, yeah, I think firstly, I just need to credit where I grew up. Um, I grew up in Alaska. There's a lot of pristine wilderness out there. And as a kid growing up there, it was absolutely awesome. I just played outside all the time. My parents had a fishing charter business where they would take groups of people out for a few days to a week to do sightseeing, fishing and hunting. Uh, I would work as third mate. And growing up in Alaska, I got the firsthand exposure to some, you know, amazing like nature, whales, like orcas, fish, eagles, ravens, bears, you know, petroglyphs, totems, salmon, tons of berries, salmon berries, huckleberries, blackberries, starfish, sunfish, anemones, urchins, <laughs> amazing flowers and plants like mm -hmm. this one plant called Devil's Club, which I'll never forget. It's a totally prehistoric looking badass plant completely covered in spines. But I learned environmental topics as a child. And I think this is kind of what pushed me in a certain direction or kind of predestined me to to kind of get into this. But, um, you know, learning things like why you don't let oil leak into the ocean, but how to clean it up if it does. Things like, you know, why you let the big halibut go, because they are usually the females and they're needed to make more halibut. But even like land use issues, like, you know, one summer we came home to find out that the beautiful beach that was like literally right next to our house had been turned into a parking lot, you know, and I was devastated. It looked horrible. But the worst part was that it wasn't even needed. Like it wasn't even hardly ever used. You know, it was like, why did this happen? But you know, later on, I also traveled a bit around the U.S. and I visited permaculture farms and participated in this program called uh, Woofer, which is Workers on Organic Farms. I think there's actually a couple of those in Asheville, too. 
but it was this kind of like experiential learning um, for people interested in working with the earth. And it was a great experience. And I, I think it was highly influential on me. Um, and it was not only educational just for like learning about land and plants, you know, but also socially, like how to resolve conflicts in community like settings, how to get, you know, along, how to do things as as a community. Um, so I think these skills and, and learnings are kind of what I've, I've taken with me, you know, over the years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but more recently, you know, kind of came up again. So I'll just tell you a little bit, you know, what I did after that was when I finally did settle down, you know, I started a business um, that was a consulting business called Starling Designs, where I helped other businesses tell their story, promote their causes, you know, make websites, videos, things like that. And I'm really proud of the work I did. But around the time the pandemic hit, I decided I wanted to take a more environmental focus in my career. So this is really when I kind of turned back to my roots, so to speak, and was like, you know, I need to make an adjustment here. And that's when I really shifted into ESG consulting, which is what eventually led me to ESG and impact investing. So um, when I was, you know, ESG consulting, I predominantly specialized in corporate and ESG sustainability reporting, which is kind of the heart of, you know, getting that information from companies down, getting their plans ready, you know, starting all those difficult conversations and, you know, getting all the information from them, essentially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and that's really when I, you know, got into, you know, the GRI and the SASB and, you know, started putting together those reports. But it was a, it was a huge milestone for me personally, from going to, from working with like mom and pop, small to mid-sized businesses to large multinational companies, like with household names, like the kind you hear on the news and every day, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I it was, I was thrilled. It was like, it was amazing. It was like, um, you know, I felt like such a rock star, you know, eventually I, you know, in order to, to find out, you know, I figured out how to how to talk about it without violating my NDAs. So I came up with, you know, in that time, I worked with about eight Fortune 100 and 20 Fortune 500 companies. Hmm. That was how I ended up being able to say it because you technically can't talk about the specific companies that you work with. Yeah, of course. Um, but but it was really cool. It was really neat. And um, I felt like my work was finally, you know, I was making the kind of difference in the world that I wanted to. And that that meant the world to me. But um, the flip side also, and I know this is a long-winded answer, so I apologize, <laughs> but, uh, but it is a little bit of a journey, you know, that, that took me to, to get to where I am now. So the flip side, you know, to the ESG consulting work was that I also became a little disillusioned because um, I realized that, you know, corporations and companies were not making the sustainable changes fast enough or taking them as seriously as I would hope. I guess. So, mm -hmm. um, and I knew that I loved working with people and I loved, you know, work that centered on sustainability solutions, but I knew that I needed to start working with like the decision makers, like people behind the curtains, the one that make the decisions in order to bring about more impactful change on a larger mm -hmm. scale. And so, yeah. yeah. 
No, sorry. Continue. Finish that thought. Oh, yeah. Please. Yeah. And that was just, you know, where I got into sustainable, you know, becoming an sustainable investment associate. Now I can funnel my passion for, you know, understanding of ESG topics and empowering others with those, that ESG awareness and understanding so that they can make sound investments that generate returns, but also have that meaningful and lasting positive impact on society and the environment. Yeah. I, I want to ask you this about, you mentioned kind of turning back to your roots during the pandemic time. That's actually, that seems to be a common theme <laughs> that I hear from a lot of people, whether it's on this show or just in general in life, that there was something about um, what happened in 2020 and the following years here that has really um, kind of put things into perspective for people. And a lot of people are finding that returning to their roots. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I didn't grow up in Alaska but I did grow up in a very rural, very um, nature-centric you know, childhood. My dad was a camp director for a church camp. I really grew up, I think, with that same sort of connection to the land. Everything that happened in my childhood was in some way tied to the land, whether it was my uncle's farm or it was the water levels at the lake at the camp or the erosion that was happening or, you know, whatever the, the thing that, that may have happened, there was always some sort of deep connection to the land that I do feel like city life um, that I moved into and all these other things kind of lost a little bit. Do you think that that disconnection that most people have plays into the situation we're in where we need something like ESG reporting? Um, I guess I'm curious on your, your perspective on, how you feel that that connection to the land and nature, you know, you mentioned as kids, you mentioned experiential learning, um, you know, what does that really do for people? And why do you think that piece of it's important? Yeah, most definitely. I, I think living in cities might not be the natural state for, for people in general. I mean, it, it, it's great because, you know, it provides you a lot of, um, you know, amenities and stuff, but I do, I definitely think from having lived, you know, in a more, isolated place that it also disconnects you from from nature and the kind of the world around you and you know when there's less reliance on other people you have less of a need to create community too so when you're living in Alaska like you know your neighbors because you know that you might you know you need to communicate with them in case they need something in case you need something it's like a a kind of a connection that you have but here living in the city like you don't want to know your neighbors because you know like there's there's multiple reasons but <laughs> but in many cases you you kind of want to stay more to yourself and a little more isolated so i've actually had <laughs> that exact thing happen where within the span of 24 hours you know during covid you're 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 caught up at home and you know you're very feeling very isolated and i was like man i i, I don't like this i don't like the feeling that i don't even really know my neighbors in my neighborhood <laughs> and then a couple of days later i met one of them and i was like oh okay <laughs> this is why <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate that. I do want to dig in. Um, you mentioned your journey and kind of the dissolution and then the hope that, but first I, you know, if I was listening to this, I think the first thing I'd be asking is what the heck is ESG? What the heck is SRI? Well, you know, you throw around a few, um, kind of acronyms, buzzwords here. Um, could you kind of just give a brief overview of what that is? It's, it's a hot topic in certain parts of the news, but, um, you know, just for the listeners out there, could you give a brief overview on exactly what you mean by, um, ESG and the reporting that goes along with it? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, it, well, it stands for, and I'm so sorry I didn't spell it out earlier because I, I, I hate that too, but um, environmental, social, and governance. So they're like the three main factors that, you know, we like companies to be able to report on, like their environmental impacts, their social impacts, and then how they govern themselves. Those are the three main areas that are kind of like, I guess, the internal workings that help. I mean, it's how they interact with the world. So it's just a very important essential part of of a business's impact of their full impact not just their ability to to gain profits and become you know you know successful but what is their true impact and those through through those three things you can really see what a company is all about their environmental impact their social impact and how they govern themselves i imagine that's a little bit more you know it's a little more qualitative than you know when we think about normally judging a company based on its success it's the simplest way to do it is just to look at that bottom line profit, which has kind of been the, you know, mode of operation. The uh, business as usual is just to really only judge a company based on that bottom line, that that one piece of information, which is the profit that they've made. How do you, you know, how do you go about trying to report and quantify these other things like their environmental impact, their social impact, and their governance? What are the the biggest things that go into that that you look for? Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, that's a super multifaceted subject. Like, there are lots of things. I, I think that I would have to lean on the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, as like a really good framework for not only explaining why those things are important, the individual facets of why you ask about certain environmental indicators and, you know, the disclosures within their their governance policies and stuff, but um, yeah, all of those things play together to to paint a pretty good picture of of what's going on and areas for improvement, really, you know, for the company. Um, and they include both qualitative and quantitative factors. Um, the SASB is also qualitative and quantitative, too. It's just kind of a more little refined and maybe investor-focused type of reporting, but um, equally beneficial. And you can do a similar thing like what you were saying checking out their bottom line, but also um, factoring in their, like their transition risk or their physical risk, like things that are more future oriented, um, a little more abstract concepts, but, you know, based on, you know, environmental factors now, are they, are they well suited for transitioning to, you know, a new type of business or, and how, how fast would they be able to do that? I mean, what does that look like in the face of their competitors? You know, are they going to be behind or are they kind of, you know, up there at the front or are they kind of in the middle, you know? Yeah. And we talked with Peter Kroll um, a couple months back now at this point, and he's on the side of helping. He does the same kind of work. Uh, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. It's a really wonderful episode um, where Peter really breaks down how as an individual investor, you know, you could go about um, you could go about moving your money from traditional, um, you know, mutual funds or different accounts, you know, the S&P 500 to something that does have a focus not only on the profitability of the companies, but on the social, you know, environmental and governance impact that they're making. But you're on, if I want to, I want to make sure it's clear for the listener. So you're on the side of making sure that those companies, um, on evaluating those companies and making sure that they are hitting the benchmarks needed to get that certification of, um, a, a sustainable environmental and governance company. Is that right? 
Well, a lot of the investment, you know, type sites you'll go to to look at or do the research for sustainable investments, they use ESG reports as the basis or the origin of their a lot of their information that they're gathering. So, yeah, they take the reports scores based on, you know, their disclosures in those reports and then decide, you know, what where they rank as far as like other companies or if they're doing well in the social area but not so much in the you know, environmental sector, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. How would, um, how would an individual investor, you know, I guess, you know, if, if let's say I'm someone who's interested in this, cause I want, I, I definitely am the type of person who wants my money, not only to give me a financial return, but I want it to give me a social return. You know, obviously that's a big part of the reason for this show. Um, you know, why would it be, why, why do you feel like it's important for, you mentioned empowering people earlier. And when we get into part two of this conversation, um, I definitely want to get into more of the how that you go about that empowerment. But I guess, you know, for right now, why is that important to you? Why is it important for people to be empowered with this information? Well, I think it's a kind of a fundamental shift from, you know, the shareholder kind of theory to stakeholder theory. I mean, essentially, it's that just they're um, I mean, not only are is it kind of a risk factor, like ESG is is about managing risk as well, um, but it's also just helpful for people to know about the environmental and social governance like issues in order to, you know, make decisions in investing that uh, reflect their values, you know, because investing isn't just about making a return. There's a lot of other reasons, you know, that people want to create a legacy of change or they want to make a difference in the world. And returns are part of that, yes, but they're not the complete picture. So that's what ESG and SRI and impact investing kind of help illuminate is that there are many other factors, you know, that you can look at in order to, you know, make a a good investment for yourself. And yeah. Yeah, no, I love it because it really helps broaden the idea. I think of what an investment is, you know, to me, you can make an investment in the stock market, but you could also make an investment in your neighborhood. You could make an investment in your family. You can make, if you're a business owner or you're the leader of a company, you can be making an investment into your people. Like we talked about with, um, uh, Drew McClure, the CEO of People Profit, and how he talks about how investing into the people actually increases the profit. Um, and I'm excited. So we we are running out of time for this episode. But in the next episode here, guys, this is going to be a two-parter. So please tune in at the same time next week. Um, we're going to dig in with Julie a little bit more on her journey through this world of impact investing, what she's excited about, what she is, uh, you know, what she feels like are still some challenges that need to be overcome, um, the current work she's doing, and also how you can um, learn more about how your dollar can go to support the kind of future that you want to see in the world, not just um, to get by, not just to pay off debt in the past, but also to really use your money for your own future, but really our collective future as we go along. So listen to this episode as well as many others of the Mindful Marketplace and lots of other really great hosts over at bizradio.us. And again, to connect with me, to listen to all of our episodes as well as to attend our events and get connected in our community, go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. Um, And you can also listen to us, obviously, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, 
Amazon, everything. <laughs> Go give us a subscribe, a listen, and a follow. And we'll look forward to seeing you all back here. And until next time, take care of yourself and take care of someone else. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.